Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Thursday, the 22nd of April. I'm Tom Tilley, and today's briefing is the first of a two-part series looking over the horizon of the vaccine rollout in the UK and the US. They're way ahead of Australia on the rollout, so how's the vaccine changing lives? Everything had really calmed down over summer, but this one is going to be more complex because while infections might drop, a lot of countries are really worried about variants coming in from other countries. Yeah, we'll cross to the UK and find out how the rollout is changing life there. First, Jan France here as we hit the big stories of the day. G'day, Tom. China has reacted angrily after the federal government tore up a deal between China and Victoria. So last night, the Foreign Minister, Maurice Payne, used new veto powers to cancel Victoria's involvement in China's $1.5 trillion Belt and Road program. Yeah, so in other countries, that program's led to massive Chinese-funded infrastructure projects, but the Victorian agreement didn't commit them to specific projects, nor was it legally binding. Yeah, in a statement, the Chinese embassy said that the move to veto Victoria's decision was another unreasonable and provocative move taken by Australia, quote-unquote, and would ruin any chance for the countries to improve their relations. But Foreign Minister Payne uh, said Victoria's deal was inconsistent with Australia's foreign policy and would damage foreign relations. Um, Basically, the federal government said... Victoria is out of line with all the other states in the federal government, and that means we don't have a consistent position as a country. Yeah, the Victorian Premier, though, Dan Andrews, defended um, signing the Memorandum of Understanding in 2019. We have many, many different MOUs with hospitals, with universities, with research institutes, with uh, provincial governments and with the central government. Yeah, he said the deal would have created more trade and jobs for Victorians. Now, it was overwritten by the federal government using this new foreign veto scheme. It was actually passed late last year. And as we said, it does allow the federal government to override decisions that states and local governments and even universities make that the federal government feels might contradict Australia's national interests. And actually, under these new powers, the federal government also announced that it was cancelling two Victorian education agreements that the state had struck with Syria and Iran almost 20 years ago. And the US government has launched an investigation into the Minneapolis police after former officer Derek Chauvin was found guilty of murdering George Floyd. It will include a comprehensive review of the Minneapolis Police Department's policies and use of force investigations. It will assess whether other mechanisms are needed to ensure constitutional and lawful policing. So that was US Attorney General Merrick Garland. Minneapolis has had a pretty bad time. It wasn't just George Floyd, it's also Dante Wright, the shooting, and also Justine Damon, who was shot several years ago. Yeah, now the announcement does come after there was real jubilant scenes across the US yesterday. This is after Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all charges, including second-degree murder. Yeah, the jury delivered the verdict yesterday following the three-week trial in Minneapolis. The President Joe Biden spoke to George Floyd's family after the verdict and then welcomed the decision in a national address. Nothing can ever bring their brother, their father back, but this can be a giant step forward in the march toward justice in America. Yeah, it was amazing seeing all those people celebrating in the streets of America yesterday. There was so much tension leading up to this decision. You know, this this death absolutely sent shockwaves and I guess waves of change around the world when it happened last year. 
Yeah, and look, it's it's a massive question for the entire country. It's not really just about the state of Minneapolis. Within minutes of the verdict handed down in the Derek Chauvin trial, a black teenage girl was shot dead by police in mm. Columbus, Ohio, which is now starting to become another sort of high-profile case. And, of course, there have been so many more over the years as well. So it's a real reckoning, I think, for the United States. The question that comes out of yesterday's decision is, was there some kind of meaningful change that will lead to, I guess, uh, justice on a broader level? Or was it just the fact that George Floyd's death happened to be videoed by a 17-year-old girl who was a random bystander? Well, there's a search underway for a missing submarine with 53 people on board. An Indonesian submarine has gone missing about 100 k's north of Bali. It was last recorded about 700 metres below the surface. This was yesterday morning during a torpedo training exercise. An oil spill was then spotted in the area where the German-made submarine disappeared and Indonesia has sent its warships to begin the search. And I expect we'll learn more about Australia's assistance later in the day. That's a scary story, isn't it? Yeah. Subs just give me the heebie-jeebies yeah. being so far under the ocean. Not my under, under the surface, yeah. I get seasick and claustrophobic, so not for me. All right. Don't ever join the Navy, Tom. WA authorities are investigating a COVID case in hotel quarantine. And in New South Wales, officials are tracking down recent travellers after a similar breach in Sydney. Yeah, so the WA Health Department last night confirmed that the virus had been transmitted in quarantine at the McCure Hotel in Perth. Um, They said that two sets of guests who tested positive for the same strain had actually arrived from two different countries at two different times, but they were staying in rooms across the hall from each other. Yeah, that dodgy air conditioning is looking pretty suspect, isn't it? It is. And, you know, over the the last few months, I've definitely heard quite credible epidemiologists come out and really question our hotel quarantine system for that reason. On the other side of the country, though, authorities in Sydney are urgently contacting overseas arrivals who stayed on a floor at the McCure Hotel there. And this was after a very similar thing happened. Guests in adjacent rooms recorded the same viral sequence And another similar case of the virus spreading between hotel room guests at Sydney happened last week as well. So interesting, they're both McCure hotels. So the whole hotel quarantine scheme might not be doomed. Maybe it's just at those particular... (laughs) (laughs) Someone needs to investigate the McCure Hotel's air conditioning system on both sides of the country. And the Queen has marked her 95th birthday. Um, In doing so, she's also broken her silence after the funeral of her husband, Prince Philip. Um, She did release a statement. The Queen thanked the public for their support and said that the royal family was still going through great sadness. These are her first remarks since the death of Prince Philip almost two weeks ago. She said tributes and messages from the public had reminded her and her family of the extraordinary impact on countless people that Prince Philip had during his life. Um, Then, of course, there's all the speculation about Harry and who we got to meet while he was there, how how many people snubbed him and why he hasn't stayed for his grandmother's celebration. All right, Jam, we'll catch you tomorrow. We're crossing to the UK. Today, the first of two parts of our transatlantic look over the vaccine horizon. We're going to take you to the UK today and the US tomorrow to see how life is changing in these big Western countries that are much further along the vaccination pathway than we are here in Australia. So given we're way behind, we hope this gives you a snapshot 
of how the vaccine will shape our future. It's hard to believe, but the daily count of COVID deaths in the UK is nearing single digits. And to put that in perspective, back in January, just three months ago, the UK had its highest daily death toll, which was more than 1,300 people dying in just 24 hours. Yeah, it's an amazing turnaround and experts are attributing that to the lockdowns, but also, of course, the vaccine rollout, which has allowed restrictions to be eased in recent days. Londoners can now go to non-essential shops and even back to the pub, which Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, was very happy to announce. We will move to step two, reopening shops, gyms and, of course, beer gardens. I will be going to the pub myself and cautiously but irreversibly raising a pint of beer to my lips. In the UK, more than 30 million people have had at least one dose of the vaccine. That's since early December when the program started. So far more than 90% of people over the age of 50 have actually had the jab and about 60% of all adults across the country have also had one jab. And they're aiming to get at least one dose into the rest of the adult population by July this year. Yeah, so they're at 30 million. We're just getting over 1 million, so it just shows how far behind we are. Um, Let's find out how it's changing life there with Bevan Shields. He's the Europe correspondent for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Before that, he worked as the Canberra Bureau Chief. So you guys work together. Uh, Annika, Bevan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, How much is life changing there now that the vaccine rollout is moving so fast? Well, it's starting to uh but within three months i think this place will be unrecognizable uh we had the first big easing of the lockdown here earlier this month you can now very excitingly go and get a haircut and go (laughs) and eat uh in the freezing uh cold air outside at pubs so that's very exciting but things are really starting to ramp up now on the rollout and with the combined impact of the lockdown and the rollout in slashing the number of cases, but also the number of people landing in hospital and dying from this thing, things will really open up over the next two months. And um, it's going to be a very different UK to what we've experienced over the past year. We saw all those obviously horrible, you know, scenes from what was going on over there. And now the death numbers are down to fewer than 30 a day. So how much do you attribute that to the lockdown versus the vaccine? That's the key question and no one can really answer that. But that is the big question and going to be the big test once the lockdown is eased. How much do we rely on the vaccine rollout? Um, And you're right, today there are only 10 deaths today in in the whole of the UK. Now, in the middle of January... Uh, it peaked at 1,800 a day, which even saying that number now Mm. is just mad. Uh, Public Health England and other agencies here have done some work and and modelling and they think the vaccine rollout directly has saved probably 10,000 lives Mm. so far since the start of the year. Um, The UK was so good at getting through really fast. The people most likely not so much to catch it, but to come down sick with it and end up in hospital. So how do they manage, I guess, all the other policy levers around the vaccine, the other freedoms that you can enjoy from, you know, ending social distancing and, um, you know, the the, the day-to-day freedoms, but also international travel? This will change things permanently. Uh, As you said, Tom, what can you do on travel in particular? Um, And there will be a vaccine passport here, There will be vaccine passports in Europe. What is a really interesting debate, though, that is just starting here and I think is probably coming to Australia later this year is 
not so much should that passport be used just to hop on a plane and go somewhere, but what could that passport be used for domestically? So what is happening here is we're hearing from some businesses who might who are saying, you know what, you might actually need either proof of vaccination or proof of a negative test to come into the theatre, for instance, or to come into the pub. And mm. the go- that, that opens up a whole heap of really tricky legal and sort of ethical questions that the government is trying to deal with right now. How does that play in if you've already had COVID? I believe you did get COVID early on, Bevan. So can you prove that if you've got antibodies, does that work in the same way that you'll be able to attend events or travel? That hasn't been raised so much in the UK, but it has been in Europe and some other countries. Uh, And they're doing that for a reasonably smart reason. And that's because why vaccinate someone? Well, you know, there's so much need to vaccinate people and so little supply at the moment. Why vaccinate someone who's already got some level of antibodies? You might be able to return to them. So I think that's what is driving it. And in Europe, yes, there are sort of three tests for entry to some venues, that is antibodies, proof of vaccination or a negative test. Obviously, the vaccine rollout's been really successful in the UK. I wondered what that meant for Boris Johnson's popularity. There's talk here because of how our vaccine rollout isn't going very well. It's going to be quite damaging for the federal government. Has there been a noticeable boost, especially considering how poorly it was handled at the start of the pandemic? <laughs> That's what is. So I used to work with you in Canberra, Annika, before here, and I've been looking here the past year and go, how has this not taken skin off Boris Johnson? How is he not under pressure? And the polls absolutely narrowed last year, and rightly so. The UK was by far one of the worst affected countries in the world. But as soon as the vaccine rollout you could started, you can look at polling charts and you can see basically around January when this thing really kicked into gear, his approval ratings and the government approval ratings really started to spike. And there have been about 145 polls since the new Labor leader, Keir Starmer, took over here uh, earlier this year. And Labor has only led in 12 of them. And the Conservatives have led in 51 polls in a row now. So Mm. 51 polls... Uh, they're ahead and that is clearly down to the vaccine and there are a lot of people sort of eulogising Johnson's leadership last year and I think understandably so but what people I suspect are ultimately going to remember here is not that disaster that was last year but the sort of the triumph of the the vaccine rollout this year. Now Bevan I I imagine there's probably a few bottles of rosé waiting for you at Lake Como. Um, (laughs) How long do you think before you can travel freely around Europe? That's really unknown. I don't have good vibes about it, to be honest. Last summer, it was great. You could go to Europe. I went to Italy. It was terrific. Had a great time. Went to Germany because everything had really calmed down over summer. But this one is going to be more complex because while infections might drop, A lot of countries are really worried about variants coming in from other countries. The big difference this year compared to last year is they don't want to wreck the impact of the vaccine rollout while it's happening. So I think they'll be more inclined to keep borders largely closed uh, over summer. So that uh, that might be tricky. But a bit like Australia, domestic tourism here is absolutely booming. Um, I tried to find a place to stay maybe for a week in 
Cornwall and go to the mm. beach there, whatever the beach might be. The few places available you wouldn't uh, put your dog in. So uh, <laughs> the great thing about Europe is that you it is on your being living here. It's on your doorstep. You can be there in an hour or two hours. That's a bit tricky at the moment. And while people in the UK especially love their summer holidays and going to Europe, I think everyone does get why this year it just might be a bit more tricky until the vaccine rollout is really, really goes to everyone. One of the issues we're having with Europe, of course, is trying to access some shipments of vaccines and there's been a bit of argy-bargy about uh, how many have actually been on order and, and whether they're being approved. Our trade ministers over there this week, do you think that's going to help? And will we see more shipments of the vaccine arrive in Australia? I think you will from Pfizer. Australia is now heavily reliant on Pfizer because of the AstraZeneca under 50s decision. Pfizer really only manufactures in Europe and the US and it will largely come from Europe. And I don't think there'll be a problem there because the European Union does not want to block Pfizer because Pfizer is meeting its own contracts with Europe. So I think there won't be an issue there, but I would be amazed if Australia gets AstraZeneca from Europe now. Uh, and the big question is also, as the US, the US is storming ahead on its vaccine rollout as well, and it'll get to the point where the Europe, US will have all this production capacity and supply and it will have to send some of that around the world and that might ease some of the pressure on Europe. So we'll see. But at this point, there's no love lost between the Australian government and the European Commission on any of this. And even the European Union's approach on restricting some vaccines to other countries, it's made even some of its own supporters quite uneasy because while you can understand that Europe is in a hell of a situation, infections are all uh, uh, surging, there are still a lot of deaths and they need vaccines. If countries start this kind of vaccine nationalism, it goes down a very ugly path and could set the world back in this goal, which is to, to vaccinate everyone as quickly as possible. All right, Bevan, lots more we could ask you, um, particularly you know, your read on the body language of Harry and William, but we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. That's the key, the key, the key question uh, <laughs> of the week. <laughs> what is your take on it? Do you think Do you think they had a meaningful connection over the weekend? No, I think they loathe each other, and it was pretty obvious. A bit of a chat on the walk back after the funeral probably won't uh, won't resolve that. I think it's quite ugly. Stinging take there. Thank you so much, Bevan. <laughs> Bevan Shields there, the uh, correspondent for the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, and some um, strong take on the body language between. <laughs> William and Harry, Annika. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he wants to write about anything but COVID. It's been a huge story over there and obviously really changed the life of correspondence too. You mm. think you're going to go to Europe and, and be able to cover the whole continent. He is European correspondent after all, but being stuck in the UK for this entire time. But um, there's been, it's not like there's been a, a shortage of things to write about for Bevan. An incredible time to be covering it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tomorrow we're going to jump on the metaphorical plane. We'll cross the Atlantic and see what's going on in Washington for Adam Crichton. He's the correspondent for The Australian there and he's actually just moved there. So we'll get his tank. He's just been vaccinated as well. That is on tomorrow's briefing. Listener.